turn to John chapter number 2. John chapter number 2 in verse number 12. You listen fast, we'll get out early. <clears throat> Come on, show some belief, people. Have some faith. John chapter number 2. John chapter number 2 in verse number 12. We need to, we, we, man, we have had a lot, a lot of things going on. We've had several deaths in the church or family members of family members in the church. Uh, uh, a couple wrecks, matter of fact, two wrecks today in the last few hours. Uh, uh, just, just stuff happening, my goodness. Uh, so we need to be praying and uh, praying for our church family and, and those that are grieving. Uh, as far as I know, the two that were in the wreck, the two different wrecks today are fine. They're going to be okay. Uh, but either way, they're still going to need a lot of prayer. So with that being said, let's look in John chapter number 2. In verse number 12, if you found your place, say amen. amen. Does anybody need a lesson? Anybody need a lesson? I want to make sure you have a lesson uh, right here in the front. All the, and I reminded you to get one while you're shaking hands. Don't blame your wife. Thank you. Thank you. And all the ladies said. That's right. Don't you blame your wife, you trashy thing. Huh? Just elbowing. Put it. There you go. Yeah, that's what you get being a Miami fan. What's up with that? All right. All right. All right. Now, some of y'all can smile. You probably ain't done it all day. Loosen up a little bit. Amen? Amen? All right. All right. John chapter 2 and verse number 12. It says, And after this he went down to Capernaum, and he and his mother and his brethren and his disciples, and they continued there not many days. And the Jews' Passover was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem and found in the temple those that sold oxen and sheep and doves and the changers of money sitting. And when he had made a scourge or a scourge of small cords, he drove them out, all out of the temple and the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overthrew the tables. I always love reading that and thinking about this when people say, what would Jesus do? I want to say... Uh, making a whip and driving you away is in the realm of possibilities. Amen? <laughs> so, uh, just keep that in mind. Amen? And he said unto the, uh, those that sold the doves, Take these things hence, make not my father's house a house of merchandise. And his disciples remembered that it was written, The zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. Then answered the Jews and said unto him, what sign showest thou unto us, seeing that thou doest these things? Jesus answered and said unto them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then said the Jews, Forty and six years was this temple in building. And wilt thou rear it up in three days? But he spake of the temple of his body. When therefore he was risen from the dead, his disciples... Now you see, John's saying what happened, then he's explaining it. His disciples remembered that he had said this unto them, and they believed the scripture and the words which Jesus had said. Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover in the feast day, many believed in his name when they saw the miracles which he did. But Jesus did not commit himself unto them, because he knew all men, and needed not that any should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessings. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you for just a chance to come and study and learn and grow. And uh, Lord, we just thank you for all that you've done for us. Lord, I pray that you'll be with the families that are grieving tonight. 
I pray that you'll touch them and, and Lord, just uh, put your arms around them and let them know, Lord, that you are the God of all peace and the God of all comfort. And I pray that your perfect will be done there. Be with those that, uh, that were in the, the accidents. I pray, God, that you'll just help them to heal up. And, uh, Lord, the ones we've learned that was sick and in the hospital, I pray that you'll touch them also. Lord, be with us. Help us tonight as we grow and as we study your word to find something that's going to help us be better Christians today than we were yesterday and even better tomorrow than we were today. And, Lord, we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, if you'll look at your notes, we, we need to set this up, <clears throat> set this particular verses of Scripture and these, this study up by reminding us, going to the end of John, going to the end of John and reminding us why John wrote the gospel that he wrote, why he included the miracles that he included. We know there's the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and then John's gospel. John's was written after those three, and he took the miracles, the specific miracles that he took for a specific reason. You remember? He called them signs. Say that with me. He called them signs. And what that word means is there is a message behind the miracle. That the message is more important than the miracle itself. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Now look in your notes at the very top. Let's remind ourselves. There's a little review. John 20, 30 said this. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written. These specific ones in the book of John, these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. Now, let's take that first phrase, at that ye might believe that Jesus is the, help me, that Jesus is the, the Son of, all right, so that's the point. He wants you to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, all right? Now, tonight, in these sets of verses that we're going to study tonight, the last part, or the second half of chapter number two, we're going to find out that he's given more evidence. That's what the title of your lesson is tonight, more evidence. More evidence of his deity. More evidence that he is the Son of God. More evidence that he was not just a healer. He was not just a prophet. He was not just a, a good person. He was God's Son. He truly was the Word incarnate. He truly was Emmanuel, God with us. Are y'all with me? Say amen. All right, so the first thing we see, the first thing we see, if you're taking notes, I want you to see this and. In verse number, uh, verse number 13, And the Jews' Passover was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And he found in the temple those that sold oxen and sheep and doves and the changers of money sitting. And when he had made a scourge of small cords, he drove them all out of the temple, and the sheep and the oxen poured out the changers' money and overthrew the tables and said unto them that sold doves, Take these things hence, make not my father's house a house of merchandise. All right? Number one. I want you to see this. The first evidence or the first attribute of the Lord Jesus Christ we find in this section is his passion for reverence. His passion for reverence. <clears throat> Preacher, what are you saying? Let, let me describe, while you're writing that down, let me describe kind of what's going on here. He comes into Jerusalem at Passover season, and, and you've you got to understand, Passover was a time that if, 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 if you were Jewish, you would come, doesn't matter where you lived, doesn't matter where you ended up, you, in other words, say you were born here in Coleman, and, and, but you ended up in Germany, or you ended up in China, or you ended up in South Florida. Uh, well, at a certain time of the year, you would come back 
you would come back to here. Well, that's the way it was with the, the Jewish people here. Uh, it doesn't matter where they ended up. Some ended up in the Roman Empire. Some ended up in, in, in various places all around Israel. Uh, some had long journeys to get there. They would always come back to celebrate Passover. And they would come. And there was a temple tax that was involved in that. If you were a male over 20 years of age, I believe it is, 20 years of age, uh, and, and you would offer a sacrifice, a Passover sacrifice. Every single family was responsible for keeping the Passover and offering that lamb. Well, obviously, it's not very convenient. It's not very convenient to, to, to carry livestock over many, many, many miles or getting them in ships to get there with ships. And, and so what they would do, they'd figure out that they, they, for convenience sake, they would sell animals there close there in Jerusalem for the travelers that were coming from a long ways off. Now, it was supposed to be, originally it was supposed to be, each family took from their own stock, from their own flock, if you will. But because of the way it was, they would sell the, the animals, they would sell a lamb to anybody that was coming in, but also they had to exchange the money. They had to exchange the money. If they had foreign currency, they would have to exchange it into Jewish money for the temple tax. If that makes sense, say amen. Okay, this is what's going on. So Jesus arrives here in Jerusalem. He sees what's going on in the outer court. In the, and, and by the way, uh, most pictures show uh, like all of this happening in like a little bitty area. The temple, the, 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 the place where the Gentiles were, the Gentile court was huge. I mean, this was huge. It almost looked like a farmer's market, if you will, or a livestock market. Jesus comes in and he sees this. Not only, not only the significant part of this is not that they were selling animals. And it's not that necessarily that they had these things going on. But he said, you've made it a den of thieves. What they were doing, they were taking advantage of people that were coming. They were The, the exchange rate. For the money that they were exchanging, they were basically stealing from people, all right? Now, write this down. We see his concern for holiness. This is his father's house. There is a concern for holiness, all right? First, this, number one, write this down. What was he concerned about? What bothered him so much? I'm talking about to the point he would make a whip and, and, and run people out, drive people out. There was exploitation of the worshipers. There was exploitation of the worshipers. They were literally stealing from the people who were coming to worship. Now, the significant part of this is, is that the high priest and the priesthood of the temple was in on the deal. Now, I, was, I have read, and I don't want to tell you this for fact, because I, I, I tried to find other references that would support this, uh, but I read one, one theologian and one writer who said that Caiaphas, the high priest's family, was responsible for the money. Now, I know he was over the treasuries of the temple, but it was his family that was running the show as far as selling the animals and, and, and the money exchange. In other words, when Jesus did what he did, he cut off the money to the high priest and his family. Hmm. What, now, now, not only that, not only that, but Caiaphas was a Sadducee. Now, what was the Sadducee? It was a religious uh, group that did not believe in the resurrection. That's why they're sad, you see. 
Amen. So I remember that. I'm sorry. That was just my way of memorizing that in Bible college. Amen. If I didn't believe in resurrection, I'd be sad too. Amen. But that's true. And, and, and see, when he raised Lazarus from the dead, okay, you've been telling everybody there's no life after death, and Jesus raises him back from the dead, we got a problem. Do you realize that after he raised Lazarus from the dead, that's when they conspired to kill him? So what is Jesus really doing? He, 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 and we're going to talk about the holiness part of this, but you need to understand this. He's picking a fight. This is where it begins. This is where the problem with Jesus and the religious crowd begins. And isn't it amazing that it's not necessarily over something that's real spiritual or something that's religious. It's over something that's money. And the, the, the spiritual condition of the, the, the temple, the spiritual condition of the people are so horrible, Jesus is directly attacking the religious crowd. Now, he's concerned about holiness. Why? They were exploiting the worshipers who were coming. The people, they were, they were charging ridiculous fees. Not only that, but they, the, 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 most historians believe that the animals that they were selling were not worthy, was just... Uh, uh, ragged, just, just you know, the, the most pitiful that's there. So he's, he's got an issue with that, all right? Not only were they exploiting the people, and more than anything, the poor people. The poor people. He, he directly addresses the dove sellers. Now you say, what does that mean? Doves were, God asked for a lamb. God required a lamb. But he allowed for the poorest of the poor to offer a dove because a dove was very cheap. It was, it was a whole lot less expensive than, a, than a, 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 a lamb. And so God, in his provision, he said that he would allow the poorest of the poor to offer a dove instead of a lamb. Are y'all with me? Say amen. And so, so here we find Jesus has got issues with this. Not only is he, he's concerned about holiness because of the exploitation of the worshipers, but I want you to see this. The misuse of the place of prayer. The misuse of the place of prayer. <clears throat> you remember what he said? My father's house shall be called a house of prayer. What was happening? Not what was supposed to be happening. Alright? They had turned, they had turned ministry into big business. So it was not about it now. Now, how many of y'all know that a lot of bad stuff started with good stuff? It's kind of like politics. A lot of bad people started out as good people, and it turned them. You can believe what you want, say what you want. I, I, I believe there's a lot of people who, who, who ended up in a bad way, started out as, as good, and, and things happened. I, I don't necessarily believe that this whole process because it is inconvenient. It is a very difficult thing to bring animals from a far place or a far country and all of that. It started out as a good thing but ended up as a bad thing because the motive changed. It's all about motive. It went from helping, helping the travelers that were coming in from a far country, helping those who, who, who had to, to, to deal with this in a way, to now it's not about helping them. Now it's about making money. And so what happens? What happens with anything? The love of money is the root of what? 
So now, are we not just trying to help people? Now we're trying to make money. So in the effort to make more money because of the greed, they begin to cheat people. So now, they're not only not using the place of prayer for the purpose it's supposed to be, and that's to come and meet with God and be with God. Are y'all with me? But now, it has changed completely from that to now they're stealing from people. You've made it a den of thieves. So Jesus got a big problem because it's not being used for the purpose it's being used. Now, we see his passion for holiness and his passion for reverence in the house of God. Now, now let's look at the second part of this thing. Not only, not only uh, uh, his concern for holiness, but look at this. I want you to see his concern for souls. This is the, this is the, the terrible part of it, which is all bad, but this is a really terrible part. All this was going on, all this was going on in the, in the Gentile courtyard. Now, you got to understand, Gentiles were not allowed to go into certain areas of the temple. <clears throat> that was God's people. Uh, that was, that was uh, designated uh, for simply for God's people, just like in the Holy of Holies, just not any Jew could go in there. It had to be the high priest. And the high priest could only go in there once a year, not without blood. Are you all with me? Say amen. God, God's had a reason, and I'll explain that in just a second. Uh, this all has to do with worship. But God designated an area in the, the God designated an area at the temple for the Gentiles who were coming and seeking. Now remember, now remember, we gotta understand this. We gotta understand why the Jews were Jews. Why the Jews and what the purpose of the Jews were for. Why did God separate Abraham? Why did God call Abraham and designate him and say, I'm going to make a great nation of you? Because the Jewish people were set apart from all the other nations of the world, all the other peoples of the world, to do what? To be a witness of the one true God. In other words, the Jewish people were supposed to be a light to a dark world. They were supposed to be a witness to those who did not know God. They were to tell everybody else who God is. So here we have a courtyard that's designated for the Gentile people who are seeking truth, who are seeking knowledge, who are seeking God, so that the Jews could tell them who our God is. Are y'all with me? Say amen. But guess what? It's just a flea market. You see what Jesus is seeing now? He comes into the place that's supposed to be a place of evangelism. A place of soul winning, if you will, if you want to use that terminology. A place where Gentiles can learn about Jesus, or excuse me, learn about God. And learn about salvation. And learn about truth and holiness and the word and the scriptures and all of this. And man, they can't get past the... So, Jesus got an attitude and a holy attitude a righteous attitude now listen you hear people this 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 tears all to pieces when people come up and say well listen uh uh don't judge just just be not you know god loves everybody and and and, and you know he's all love yeah but he's holy too now, if you don't think God won't judge sin, you ain't read your Bible. Are y'all with me? 
Now watch this. Watch this. Here's another thing that we see. God cares about worship. And God cares about how we worship. Now watch this. This is what's going to prove the point that we're trying to prove about his deity. God only has a right to tell how to worship him. Because see, this, this leads into the second point. But don't get there because i got something else to say about the first one. <clears throat> this leads up to the second point. They say, what right do you have to do this? What authority do you have to do this? See, this is what we're proving. What authority did he have? He's God. And if he's God, he can tell you how to worship him, when to worship him, where to worship him, and what way to worship him, what kind of attitude when you do worship him. Say, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm -hmm. Revelation, chapter number 2, the letter to the church of Ephesus. He said, I've seen your works. I've seen your labor. You're not putting up with sin. You're working hard. You have not fainted. But I have somewhat against thee because you've left your first love. In other words, they were doing everything right, but they were doing it for the wrong reason. Isn't that amazing? God even cares about your motive. Not just what you're doing, but why you're doing it. And you say, what gives him a right? He's God. You can't just do whatever you want to do. You can't just, are y'all with me? He's God. What right do you have coming in here and doing all this? See, they're aggravated. They don't like this a bit. Number one, it's cutting off the money flow. If you want to be King James about it, they're filthy lucre. Y'all with me? So, so what, 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 are you, what's, what are you doing? Well, he's concerned about holiness. He's concerned about how they're treating his father's house, the place where his father's presence dwells. Are y'all with me? Now, does everybody understand this part? Can y'all see how this is proven as deity because only God has the authority and the right to to delegate or regulate how people worship him can y'all see that say amen all right now let me let me let's add a tag onto this let's add a tag onto this some people falsely use these verses and 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 use this for a traditional mindset about stuff at the church about selling stuff at the church oh oh hey god says don't make my house and my house of merchandise, and y'all got coffee out there or, 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 or tapes in there. And, and, and I grew up, I grew up with people, man, you could, you, you don't sell anything, period. And that's so, and this, these are the verses they're doing. So let's talk about that a second. All right, number one, you're comparing apples to oranges. It is not even close to the same thing. It's not the same thing, and this is why. All right, the first thing, is the temple situation the temple situation say what do you mean in that day that was where god was and the people had to come to him because that was the father's y'all getting quiet i see i'm stepping on some traditional toes here tonight that was the father's that's what he said make not my father's that's where you dwell that's where you all right that's where his presence was in the temple and by the way, that's where it was supposed to be, but it had left a long time in the Old Testament. It was an empty shell. 
But that's what Jesus is saying. Today, today, you're the temple. When Jesus, when, listen, when the Holy Spirit came in, 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 on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter number 2, you became the temple. This is, this is not the Father's house. I know it's been called that for years and years and years. Traditionally, I've heard that. This is where we come to meet with God. That's false doctrine. That is a false way of thinking. That's what has messed up so many Christians today because they have this idea that God's in here, but he's not out there. Let me illustrate that. Let me illustrate that. I, I, I've said this before in here. Uh, one day I was in the foyer, out there in the foyer, and, 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 and you know how it's all glass out there as so you can see out. A, a lady came up to the door and knocked on the door, and I said, come on in. It's unlocked. I said, it's unlocked. Come on in. She said, It's unlocked. Come on in. I thought, well, okay. So I walked to the door and I opened the door. And, and, and I, said, I said, come on in. It's unlocked. She said, oh, I can't come in there. I've got pants on. Now, now listen. Now, we, we can, we can kind of laugh at that and we think, you know. But here's, here's the problem with that. Here's the problem with that. In, in her mind, because of what she's been taught, probably her whole life, that this is where we respect God. Because God is in here. We don't desecrate. But what she don't understand is God's out there too. Matter of fact, God is in her. And, and, and if it's not if it's not right in here, it's not right. And if it's okay out, it's okay in, because this is just a building. This has been a struggle. This has been a struggle for me, you know, from just my raising and just, you know, what you've been told. When, you, when you've t been told something your whole life, it's hard to... But when you when you are confronted with truth, do you know there's nothing sacred about this right here? I, I've I've heard preachers stand up preaching. I'm behind the sacred desk. Ain't nothing sacred about that. It's wood. I've I've seen I've seen people criticize and preachers criticize other preachers because they don't have a pulpit of wood. Because in the Old Testament. Ezra had a pulpit of wood. Really? Well, if you study that, it wasn't that. It was a box that he stood on. It was a platform. That's what the pulpit was. But what happens is we, we here's what we do. We don't keep everything in context, and we take a little bitty verse out of here to say what we want it to say. Are y'all with me? So, it, th this is not where God dwells. You are where God dwells. You are now the temple. The, the, when, when Jesus died on the cross, the old way is gone. The, uh, the temple worship was destroyed. Everything about it was gone. You remember what Jesus told? You remember what Jesus told the woman and uh, 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 the, uh, the woman at the well? 
when she, see, she was confused. She said, you know, our people say we worship in this mountain because she was a Samaritan. And, and you Jewish people, you say you got to be in Jerusalem. And he said, woman, let me tell you something. The time's coming. We're neither in this mountain, neither in Jerusalem are you going to worship. God is a spirit and must be worshiped in spirit and in truth. There's coming a day when all that's going to be over with. You're the temple. Now, let me, let me tell you why this is, a bad, this is a bad form of thinking. Because this causes Christians, whether they believe it or not, or whether they want to recognize it or not, or admit it or not, to act one way here and another way out there. Because we can label it then. If this is God's house and this is where we come to meet with God, then we can be in here spiritual and out there secular. Guess what? That don't fly. Because when you leave here and you're saved, God goes with you. So if you can't say it in here, go ahead and say it. Well, I'm messing up y'all's theology tonight, ain't I? Now think about this. It's apples and oranges. It's not the same thing. Second thing, the issue that Jesus had was the exploitation of the worshipers. It was highway robbery. They were stealing from the people. So it has to do with motive. They were not worshiping. They were conducting business, and not only business, but crooked business. Say, how is that different than what y'all do? Okay, let's explain that. Out there, out there, we're not making any money whatsoever. Matter of fact, we're in the hole every week. What are you doing? Well, with the free coffee that we give away and everything else we do that with people, what we make just goes right back into ministry. We're not making money. Temple does not make money on anything. It goes right back into doing something to minister to you or to first-time attenders or to... So we're not making money. This is not a business. Many people don't get that. They don't understand that. So y'all just making the hand. Man, please. If you only knew. Y'all with me? It's motive. Say, why do y'all have that coffee? Well, number one, number one, a 350-pound man can hide behind a cup of coffee that big. <clears throat> it relaxes. It's amazing what you can do when you just have something in your hand. It calms people. It helps people, listen, to be able to, I want to give you something. Let me help you. Are y'all with me? Now, I know this is tough to hear. I know, there, here's another great illustration. How many of y'all have heard, you know, maybe you were told, you might believe it, and I'm not trying to make nobody mad. I'm trying to help you, enlighten you, because this is stuff I've had to learn over the years, and it really freed me up and helped me. Uh, uh, matter of fact, it, 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 made me, it made me even more spiritual on the outside because I had to realize I'm not coming here with God. God's following me everywhere I go. Y'all with me? The, the point I'm making is this. You can't take one little scripture to, 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 to say what you want it to say. There are people that take the scripture where Paul is admonishing the church at Corinth because they would have, they would have love feasts and they would come and where they would take the Lord's Supper and they, but they would have the whole meals. Well, the rich people would be over here, and they'd just be gorging themselves on all kind of stuff, and they would have their meal, and the poor people would over here and hardly have anything. 
and the, and the rich wouldn't share with the poor. And, and, and Paul got on to them, said, y'all need to cut this out. There ain't nothing to love about this. Not only that, they were getting drunk. Hello? He said, don't do this. This is not what this is for. And he reprimands them. Do you know there are people, there are people that take those verses and says, all right, that means you cannot eat at all at church. So they don't believe in dinner on the ground at all. Zero. Y'all, you see what I'm saying? So you take one little thing out and don't keep it in context with everything else that's taught and form a doctrine from that. And then you tell everybody, well, because this verse right here, you can't do this or you can't do that. And, and they don't explain to them what's all in the whole chapter. Let me explain what that is. Rightly dividing the word of God. Paul told Timothy, rightly divide. Not only that, he said, study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman needeth not to be ashamed, but... Are y'all with me? We, this is so important. This is so important that we get this. All right? He has a passion for holiness. They were not using the house... <clears throat> the place of the temple, what was it was supposed to be for originally. He was concerned for souls. He was concerned for holiness, all right? Now, what does that teach us? Only God has the right to dictate or regulate worship. Are y'all with me? Say amen. That's attribute number one. That proves he's God, okay? Number two, number two. Watch what they say. Watch what they say. <clears throat> verse number 18. Verse 18. Are you there? Say amen. Man, y'all quiet. I must have made all kinds of people mad tonight. Amen. Then, and by the way, by the way, before you get angry, before you get mad because I said something against what you might have heard your whole life, study a book for yourself. I've made up my mind. I've made up my mind. I don't care what I've heard or what I've been taught, I'm going to study it for myself to find out what I believe. And let me, let me help you with something else. And you say, why, why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? Because there were so many things that I was told growing up that are not so. So, before you get angry, before you, you know, do whatever, here's what you need to understand. Here's what you need to understand. Don't try to go find Bible to support what you believe. A preconceived idea. Go to the Bible to form what you need to believe. Do you see the difference? you got to have a clear, Lord, teach me. Lord, show me. Without any prejudice whatsoever, and it will blow your mind what you're going to learn and it'll blow your mind how freeing learning Scripture can actually be. And all God's people say it. All right, now, look at this. Verse number 18. Then answered the Jews and said unto him, What sign showest thou unto us, seeing that thou doest these things? In other words, what, what gives you the right to do this? What gives you the right to come in here and mess up all this stuff? Jesus answered and said unto them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. 
Then the Jews said, Forty and six years was this temple in building, and wilt thou rear it in three days? All right, let's look at some things this, tonight. A, first I want you to see this. Well, number two, his power, his power of resurrection. Now remember, three attributes that prove he is who he says he is. Prove that he is the Son of God. First was his passion for reverence. Then, number two, his power of resurrection. You see, they're talking about the, the physical building, and Jesus is talking about his body. And that's even, that's even more evidence that the body, or the, excuse me, the temple, the house of God is no longer this building. It's your body. Are y'all with me? Now, but watch the response. This is something that we need to get. A couple things here. First, I want you to see the evidence of their spiritual condition. The evidence of their spiritual condition. <clears throat> we find two things here that reveal their spiritual condition. Two things. First, the request they gave. The request they gave. Now watch. There was, there was, there was, there was several priests, several assistant priests, I mean, I mean, several that worked, the high priest, then the chief priest. All of these were supposed to be spiritual giants. These were supposed to be spiritual leaders in Israel. Nicodemus was one of them. Nicodemus in chapter number 3 comes to Jesus and said, Man, we know that our teacher come from God. Nobody can do what you're doing unless God is with them. And, and Jesus tells him a spiritual nugget. You know, you must be born again. And he don't get it. And Jesus says, you're supposed to be a spiritual leader. You're supposed to be a spiritual giant telling and leading the nation of Israel, and you don't even know what I'm saying? Watch this. With all of the spiritual leaders that was there, when Jesus come in and did what he did, when Jesus came in and rebuked them literally by doing what he did and correcting the situation and showing his zealousness for holiness and his concern for his father's house, you know what they should have done? Uh-oh. They should have recognized that. They should have recognized their failure. They should have recognized their disobedience. They should recognize where they were at spiritually and how far they had gotten away when they saw somebody concerned about the Father's house, somebody concerned about holiness. They should have said, oh, but you know what they did? What are you doing that for? They were so far away from God and so not knowing God that even Jesus' rebuke did not get their attention. Matter of fact, you can be... Here's, here's, here's a difference. How many of y'all know you can be sincere but sincerely wrong? And, and I'll say this. There's some people that's upset about what I've said because they really are sincere, but you can still be wrong. How many of y'all believe that there's a lot of sincere Muslims and committed and sold out and truly believe in what? But how many of y'all know they're wrong? You can be sincere and be wrong, but the difference between that and where they are, they were wrong and they didn't care. They, there was no desire. There was no desire to be right. They were not seeking after God. I, I, I posted a statement one time on Facebook that got kind of a, a reaction. 
it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how much truth you give somebody if they're not looking for it. I, there's, there's, there's two kinds of people. There's two kinds of people that come at me all the time. Two kinds. Asking questions about truth or asking Bible verses or something like that. One group is sincere and they're seeking and they're searching and they want to know and they want to learn and they want to know truth. Another group is wanting to argue and they're wanting to prove their point. And we're wanting to show why they're right. Now watch this. Here's the difference in these two groups. If I show this group truth, they're going to see truth, find truth, and understand truth, then they'll believe truth. But if I show this group, the argumentative ones, that just want to prove their point, I don't care how many verses I give them, they're not going to change their mind. No matter what I say, that's the group Jesus is dealing with. That's why they proved themselves when they said, "What? how dare you do this? What are you doing? If they had an ounce of spirituality in them at all, at all. You see, David, David was in a bad way. <clears throat> how many of y'all remember King David? How many of y'all know as good as he was, he messed up bad? Committed adultery, committed adultery, had her, tried to hide it, bring her husband back, had him killed, that didn't work. I mean, he's just in a bad mess. He's confronted by the prophet Nathan. Nathan points, tells him a little story. David gets angry, but the story's really about him, and he don't even realize it. And he says, thou art the man. When he did that, David broke. Boom. You know why? Because even in a mess, David was still spiritual enough to... Y'all with me? This crowd wasn't spiritual at all. And it revealed itself in their request. How dare you? What authority do you have to do what you're doing? All right? Not only is it revealed in their request, but the second thing, it's revealed in their misunderstanding to what he said. Jesus spoke in parables a lot. To reveal, truth will be revealed in a true seeker. Let me say that again. Truth will be revealed to a true seeker. Let me say that again. <clears throat> Truth will be revealed. Somebody needs to write this down because I, I don't have nothing to write with up here and I need to put that in my notes later on, all right? Truth will be revealed to a true seeker. His disciples were true seekers. So guess what? He would explain it to them. But Jesus knows the heart of man that we're going to get to in point number three. And when he would tell a story or a parable, it would just confuse them. We don't get it. You know why? They were not true seekers to begin with. So we find their spiritual condition. Their spiritual condition. Now Jesus says this. The second thing. If you're taking notes, the second thing. Uh, not only not only do we see their spiritual condition revealed, their evidence of spiritual condition, but don't you see this? There's a declaration of supernatural ability. There's a declaration of supernatural ability. And by the way, I forgot something in that first point. 
he used the phrase, my father's house. Now, what are we, now, now let's go back all the way to the beginning. What are we trying to do tonight? We're looking at attributes of Jesus that proves that he is what? God. Let's use the word deity. That, that proves he is deity. All right, there's humanity and deity, okay? That proves he's God, that he's deity. Now, did you see the subtle hint that he gave? He said, you've made my father's. So what is he telling him right there? That's right. I'm the son of God. He just lays it out there to him. Subtly, but he still lays it out there to him. All right, now, now he's, he's describing his resurrection. He's describing his resurrection. Now, he uses the terminology temple because he, he knows that they're not going to get it because they're not looking for it anyway. But the disciples later on get it because they say, Oh, that's what that is. When he rose from the dead, they remembered this statement. And by the way, that's another thing. The disciples get it. But guess what? Guess what? The religious crowd, when they were hanging him on the cross, do you know what they did? They used the same statement to mock him. Come on, big guy. You remember, remember what you said? You tear down the temple. You can't even you can't save yourself off the cross. Isn't it amazing the same phrase? that a certain group of people, they see it, and Jesus gets up, and they believe. But then this crowd, it even makes them even more adamant, and they crucify Jesus. Why? Because truth is only revealed to a true seeker. And this, again, shows that they're not. All right? He's telling him he has the ability to raise from the dead. Now, what are we doing? We're trying to prove deity. How many of y'all know only God can regulate worship? Number one. How many of y'all know only God has the power over life and death? What is John doing? He's explaining it to you. He didn't just tell you what Jesus said. Now remember, in John's letter, John's aim is to convince you that Jesus is the Son of God, and if you believe that and commit to that, sell out to Jesus, you're going to have everlasting life. So he not only tells you what Jesus says, he explains to you. He's saying this, and he's telling you this, that this is Jesus referring to the death, burial, and resurrection. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Now, let's go to number three, because that clock is messed up. <clears throat> we still got a chance to get out of here early, but I'm not promising anything. Amen. All right, the third thing, and this is huge, guys. This is huge. You're going you're gonna to read this, and it's not, it, it, you think, there's, there's nothing to this. This is huge. This is huge, what Jesus says. Now, after he tells them about his resurrection, only God has the power to regulate worship. Only God has the power over life and death. All right, now watch. <clears throat> he says, now when he was in, this is verse 23. Are you there? Say amen. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover in the feast day, many believed in his name when they saw the miracles which he did. Key. Key. All right? But Jesus did not commit himself unto them because he knew all men and needed not that any should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. Now, let's back up. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover in the feast day, many... 
All right, help me now. Many believe. All right, look in verse 24. But Jesus did not commit. Do you realize that the word believe there and the word commit there in the Greek language is the same identical word? What is he saying? They believed in Jesus, but Jesus didn't believe in them. Now, what in the world are you talking about, preacher? Well, the third thing, I want you to write this down. We see Jesus as deity and Jesus as God. We see who he really is, not only by his passion for reverence, his power of resurrection, but don't you see his perception of reality? His perception of reality. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying this, that only God can know the true heart of man. I don't care how much I know y'all. I don't care how much I know y'all. You can spend years with somebody and find out you never really knew them. I, I've, I've, I don't even want to go into it, but people who spend years, I'm not talking about five years, ten years, I'm talking about 20 and 30 years to find out there was, their life was a lie. And I, I really thought I knew them. I really thought they were, but guess what? In humanity, you're limited. The only person in this building, the only person in this building I know is saved is me. I've seen people do some, some amazing things and just think, and then totally, totally, the only one I know saves me. Why? Because I live in humanity. But guess what this says? Jesus said he knew their heart. Now, let me explain. Let me explain. There's two things that we need to get from this. Here's the thing. People say, oh, oh, we're, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna follow Jesus. We're going to follow Jesus. When, when they saw his, come on, everybody, when they saw his. But watch. Watch what Jesus, what was the sign? Oh, excuse me. I just told you the answer. What was the word? What was the word John used for the miracles? Signs. And that word means this, that the message is more important than the, the miracle. Let me say it again. Sign, and this is the word John used in this, that the message is bigger than the miracle. The miracle is a cool deal, but it was just there to show you a message. And the message was to reveal to you and point you to Jesus. Y'all with me? In other words, the, the miracle of feeding 5,000 is great. And it's wonderful. But he followed that up with a message about being the bread of life. Now when he fed physically and the miracle took place, there was thousands there and they wanted to make him king. But when he told them that you're going to have to eat my flesh and he tried to use a spiritual lesson about him being the bread of life, they said, whoa, this is a hard saying. And they left him in droves. What's the point? Jesus knew their heart. Jesus knows. He knows whether someone's a true believer. 
He knows whether somebody is sold out and committed. And he knows whether they're just after him for what he can do for them. I can't tell you how many people come to, come to temple over the years. As far as that goes, come to Victory, come to Long Branch, come to uh, 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 Bethel Baptist Church where I grew up. My whole life, I've saw people come and go. I saw people come, and you'd think they're the greatest Christian in the world, get all excited and jacked up and doing everything, and then in just a little bit, times got a little hard, things got a little difficult, and you couldn't find them with the FBI and a hound dog. You know why? It wasn't real. It wasn't genuine. Jesus even tells a parable about this, about sowing seed. And some seed falls on good ground, and it'll bear fruit. But some seed falls on stony ground. Some seed doesn't go very deep. It has no roots. And when the sun comes up, and that was a reference to difficult times, they wilt under the pressure. What's the point? There's a lot of false professions in Christianity. There's a lot of people that's after Jesus for what Jesus can do for them. Jesus wants them to put, they want Jesus to put their home back together. Jesus wants them to make their spouse come back. They want Jesus to make their kids act right. And then when that happens again, then you can't find them again. Now, I can't see that, and I can't read that in people's lives, but guess what? Jesus can. And when they was all excited, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, we're going to follow Jesus, Jesus didn't commit to them because he knew the heart of man and only God only God can look inside of you and see what's really there now what do we learn from this truth two things two things and these are really important guys if you if you missed anything or everything just 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 don't let everything else I said just get this right here get this right here write this down These three verses reveals the danger of a false profession. It reveals the danger of a false profession. Now watch this. While in Jerusalem for the Passover, Jesus performed miracles that are not even given in detail in any of the Gospels. Now because of these miracles, many people profess to believe in Him, but Jesus did not accept their profession. No matter what the people themselves said or others said about them, he did not accept human testimony. Why? Because being God, he knew what was in each person's heart and mind. The words believed in John 2.23 and commit in John 2.24 are the same Greek word. These people believed in Jesus, but Jesus did not believe in them. It was one thing to respond to a miracle, but quite something else to commit oneself to Jesus Christ and continue in His Word. What was the miracle for? To get you to the message. You see, now watch this. Everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. They were all about the spectacular, but not about the Scripture. They were all about the miracle, but they were not all about the message. You say, preacher, what's the big deal? The big deal is this. Watch this. Watch this. Everybody paying attention? Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the... Word. 
something just, I just remembered something. Do you know that the Antichrist, the Antichrist is going to be on this planet in the tribulation period, and he's going to have the ability to perform miracles. And many people are going to follow him because of the, and guess what, and be deceived. But guess what he don't have? You're missing it. He has miracles, but he doesn't have a... He has a spectacular, but he doesn't have the scriptures. Now, I, I don't know about y'all, but I, I, I'm like jumping up and down inside right now. Do you know what the Lord, and I don't know whether God's just putting all this together to help me and, and everything, I don't know. But I, I'm like a mad scientist. I really am. Because every year they say, what are you going to do this year? Most all of them think the boat, when we built the ship on the platform, you know, front porch Sunday. All, all of those things come out of here. <laughs> Mad Mary. I mean, who talks about a demon-possessed woman on Easter Sunday? I mean, these are just like crazy ideas. And, and the staff gets together, and they're like really nervous, and they're like, all right, what are you going to do this year? See, my job is to come up with the ideas, and they implement it, help me make it happen. And if you're new to Temple, you, you missed out on a lot. Now, I'm saying all that, say this. This year, everybody kept saying, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And it was like, all right, but what they don't understand is he's got to give them to me. I, I, I don't come up with that by myself. I know it starts here, but he put them there. And if he don't put it there, I have nothing. Y'all with me? And so every year, it, it, he'll give me something, and then we'll... And this year was so different. And, and this year, I'm, I'm telling you, God said, I want it simple. I want it plain. I, want it I don't want nothing dramatic. I don't want nothing spectacular. I want it totally scriptural don't try to prop it up boost it up now I don't know if you understand this or not but that's tough when you're when you're used to I can't tell you how many times while I was studying for this that I, I, I would I'd want to get a 
big illustration or a story, and God would say, stop. It's not what I said. The Scripture's enough. And going into this Easter, I was, I was like on pins and needles. Even in each service, every single service was the same. I don't know, and, and if you, maybe if you're not looking from this end, looking that, you won't get this, what I'm trying to say. But in the beginning, at the very beginning, the first point, this is, this is a response. When they realize, you know, nobody's going to be hanging on the cross, soldiers not going to be carrying anybody out, and all this kind of stuff, and I, it was like, oh. And then like the second, third point was like, huh? And like the third point is, oh. And then, and I'm, I'm telling you, it was, it was nerve-wracking. But God was helping me with something. It's not about the spectacular. It's not, now let me, let me just, as a, just throw this out there. That's not saying that God's against any of that stuff. He's wanting to prove a point to me, and I hope prove a point to all of us. Somebody's faith is not going to be, it cannot be hanging on something, a miracle, or the flashy, or the dramatic, or our ability to promote something. It needs to rest on the Scriptures and the Word. And what Jesus is saying here, there was false professions. They said they were following, but they only followed as long as they got a free meal. Because they were not following the message. They were following the... Secondly, write this down. Oh, we're out of time. Write this down. The last three verses, they reveal the danger of a false profession. Then B, it reveals the true nature of biblical belief. This is so important. John was not discrediting the importance of our Lord's signs because he wrote them in his book. He recorded these signs to encourage the readers to trust Jesus and receive eternal life. However, throughout the book, John makes it clear that it takes more than believing in miracles for a person to be saved. Our Lord's miracles were testimonies. You remember? They were pointing. They were pointing to the message, to the truth, giving evidence of a divine sonship. But they were also tests, exposing the hearts of the people. It is important to see what Jesus tied, or excuse me, that Jesus tied his miracles to the truth of his message. He knew that the human heart is attracted to the sensational. Underline that. Underline that. He knew that the human heart is attracted to the sensational. The 5,000 that he fed wanted to make him a king until he preached a sermon on the bread of life, and then they left him in droves. The people wanted the physical food, but not the spiritual food. Underline that one. The people wanted the physical food, but not the spiritual truth, so they abandoned him. Our Lord's accurate knowledge of the human heart is another evidence of his deity, for only God... Only God can see the inner person. Preacher, what are you saying? I think we need to do what 
what, what the New Testament writer wrote when he said, everyone should make their calling and election sure. I wonder how many people, I wonder how many people would still follow him if the air conditioner didn't work. If the government outlawed it, would we go through the woods and have our secret churches and or is it just a matter of convenience? Jesus knows our heart. Jesus knows our heart. Only God, here's the three things we learned tonight. Only God has the authority and the right to regulate worship. Number two, only God has the power over life and death. He described his resurrection. He said, I'm going, I'm going to lay it down, but I've got the power to take it back up again. Church, say amen. Thirdly, only God can know the human heart. Only God can. You know what? What, what, did, he, what did he say to Samuel? When Samuel was trying to anoint the king and none of them was there, and, and here comes King David, he said, God doesn't look on the outside. God looks at the heart. And all God's people see it. Well, let's pray. Lord.